Hey, let's kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which is brought to you free every week from the folks at, well, where else? Geekinthecity.com. You can also watch us stream the show weekly every Tuesday on twitch.com forward slash geekinthecity at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you enjoy the show, you can also help us out over on patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity. Your support there helps us do more content and create more shows and overall make it a better experience for you, the best audience in the world. As always, always share the show and make some comments for us or give us a five-star rating on any of the platforms you enjoy listening to this show on. And with that, let's kick off this all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Dean Rita. And I am your other, other host, Kib Washtani. How's it going, everybody? Coming to you live from our Guardian Game Studios. Yay! <laughs> and in the chat right now, we are joined by one of our good friends, Nat West of RevNat's Hard Cider. I can't high five anyone because I'm in my own little box here. I can be like, uh, and we are laughing because old school listeners will remember the phrase train drink. And the moment the show went live, train to train because we are, we are back at the train. Good times. I mean, realistically, how many places in Portland can you be where there are not train sounds? Uh, none, really. Yeah. How good your hearing is, it's what matters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, here we are. Uh, going from Guardian Games now, our sponsor. This is super cool, actually. I was just a little nervous about getting it all correct here. Okay, well, why don't you let folks know really quick how this all came about while Aaron uploads a streaming link. Okay. So, the... Um... This came about because uh, I think at this point most people know that Guardian Games changed hands uh, back in April 2019, and the new owner and new management saw fit to keep uh, sponsoring Portland's longest-running uh, podcast. That's right, Geek in the City Radio. Um, to like a better level of sponsorship, actually, <laughs> um, and have not not to throw shade anywhere, but it's just like 
it's a difference between sponsorship from a mom and pop and something that's a corporation. Yes. Um, so, uh, not to say that we've sold out because we haven't. <laughs> no, if we had sold out properly, uh, none of us would have to have regular jobs. We could just do this. <laughs> yes. That's what yes. selling out means. Um, I, I still welcome that level of selling out. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. If Garden wants to cover everything, sure. I'm down. Oh. I'm down. We'll work on it. Um, <laughs> but through casual conversation with our regional manager, uh, Sarah, um, we've been looking for a place to do in-person broadcasting again. And it made sense. It's like, look, we have this one conference room left available. We don't rent it anymore. We use it for uh, business meetings all day long. It's used for nothing at nighttime. She's like, oh, totally. Like, you should broadcast from here. That makes sense. That that totally makes sense. We're a sponsor. We've been paired together all these years before I got here. So, yes, by all means, broadcast from here. So here we are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, man, I'm super jazzed. Yep. Uh, and, I, you know, this is the first time in here, so we're going to be working out some, some quirks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Not so much with the room. Anything with the equipment, and by the equipment, I mean me. <laughs> uh, we've got a new amp we can play with, but then I overcomplicated it, and then... We've got bugs to work out. we got bugs That's to work out, and some lighting issues, because right now, we all look like we're about to be sent into the Phantom Zone for violating the highest rule of the planet Krypton. Guilty. Guilty. I was thinking I would just do this the whole time. Guilty. I know, you get the whole, like, oh, art. Mm -hmm. K1 and I look like super villains. Nass is chilling on his couch. Yeah. He's got natural light going. I know, man. Pretty good. So, uh, what we're going to talk about today is first, of course, we've got Revnat on because we have an exciting new cider to talk about. We do. But more importantly, we have an exciting new Tolkien series to talk about, which is why he's. So, like, he sent me a text like a month or so ago, or so. He's like, "So, uh, when do you want to have me on? Talk mm -hmm. about Rings of Power. When's that gonna happen? When are we gonna do that?" So, like, uh, like, yes, but not right now. We have other things to talk about first. Yeah, uh, but first, so over the weekend, uh, uh, Cable Denise and myself, we went to Ghosts of Summer PDX. It's basically, yeah, a horror festival in the middle of summer at the uh, Portland Convention Center, um, which I didn't hear anything about it until like a few, I think I had a listener randomly send me a Twitch, or not a Twitch, a TikTok video yep. of the person putting it on being like, you might be interested in this. And I was like, you would be correct. I am interested in that. So I think there are a few things going on. One, the organizers, from what we could tell from the website, um, are not people who have been involved in horror in the city of Portland or Halloween in the city of Portland before, which is fantastic. I love all the people who've been working haunts for years. Uh, I've done it, but I also get to a point where I'm like, can all the old men get out of the way and let new people do stuff? Uh, being one of those old men. <laughs> um so it wasn't so much a horror convention, it was a celebration of Halloween convention because it was focused a lot on uh, vendors that used Halloween as the theme of their products. That's true. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it did have, it, it was supposed to have a haunt and it had a couple escape rooms. 
Um, it had a theater company, which we're going to go into detail more. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but overall, it was just to kind of celebrate the spooky, um, the cute spooky, less the, like, it wasn't, it's not like the West Coast Conters Convention, where you go to figure out what other haunts around the country are doing. That's almost like a trade show. Yeah. 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 This is more of a, um, oh, I don't want, this sounds like I'm putting it down, but I'm not. It's Etsy in the convention center. Yeah, no, yeah. It just felt like a celebration of Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. But it just happened to take place in August. Yes. You know, so, um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. We ran into some really great vendors. Uh, I got cable now hooked on uh, hob sauces. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're, they're sweet, spicy soy. We had that over teriyaki chicken last night. It was fantastic. Yeah, no. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I've been... Not a commercial for them, although if you would like to be a sponsor of Hob Sauces, you will definitely get a talk up from us for sure. And it's Hob, not Hab. I say Hob in front of them, but they've never corrected me. Does it stand for something? I have no idea. H A B, I would imagine it's uh, short for habanero since that is the key ingredient in Ooh, all yeah, the sauces. Oh, yeah, a lot of habanero. So, so it's probably Hab. Or Hob. Hob. Hob sauce. Yeah. Oh, because that's also similar to hot sauce, hob sauce. Right. Probably. It's all, it's all lining up. Denise is correct, is what I'm saying. Denise is correct. No, I said hob. No, no. He no said you said hob. hob? Yeah. I was thinking it was hab. Oh. Will they have another hmm? another hot sauce later on that's like pob for like poblano or like go? For ghost or <laughs> no, they use a lot of uh-huh. now. It is now it is a commercial. They use a lot of different peppers. Like one of my favorite is their uh, Serrano tequila hot sauce, which mm. is fantastic. So yeah, they use mm. all the peppers. I, uh, so, but the, fact, the, the Serrano one is not called Sir. No, Hob no. Sauce is the name of the company. Okay. Yeah, I feel like eventually you two should end up doing something together. Anyway. That, that's what I was about to recommend too. <laughs> like I, you know, y'all I like hot sauce. Talk. I feel like next time I get a chance, I should just always carry around like a bottle of your uh, spicy, your ghost pepper tapache and just be like, here, guys, try this. Mm. Mm. Because they make a habanero pineapple hot sauce. It's fantastic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a hot sauce company after my own heart. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It really kind of is. Anyway, they were there. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. We all went home. Well, I've got all the cards of the ones I picked up. so like lovely little bones. I just love all the things like artisanal occult items. Yeah, that's what they were. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Oh, um, that table, that table. She had like beautifully made high end stuff, um, like very bespoke, one off pieces. So that that's more art than it is like picking something up that goes with your decor. It's like no, this is. This is a piece of art that speaks to me. Right. Yeah. I think that was the table that you went, oh, I should have bought the thing when it was there, and I walked away, and I didn't. Yes, I yeah. really wanted one of her pieces. Yes. No, that's Dark Portlandia. Oh, that's Dark Portlandia. Oh, yes. Yes, Dark Portlandia. I'm going to put it in my little area. Uh, Dark Portlandia is the one that did stuff with bones, which mm-hmm. doesn't narrow it down at the Halloween convention. What was Lovely Little Bones then? 
I think they, I, I don't remember we're awful. I do. They were witches. Like the two of you went nuts. They had the they had the foot with the feathers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. they Police have. Um, yep. They had their own stuff that was uh, similar to Florida water, but like they're uh, they have a Celtic background, and so it's I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a it was a similar concept, but from that region, I remember that, that yeah. culture. They were intentionally not appropriative of their yep. of their of their pagan ways. It was like. These are the Celtic versions of that. We are not going to call it. Like, they didn't want to use the word smudging. Right, exactly. Because right? that's very specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they make, like, macrame wall hangings with, like, driftwood and bone we- woven into them. Yeah. They had lots of really gorgeous stuff. They yeah, that's something called the Witch's Rosaries, too. Mm-hmm. They kind of awesome. I either miss those or just can't remember. I think yeah. you missed them. The two of you love that table. I like everything. I, I get it. You're both witches. That makes sense. <laughs> You're witches. I'm a lich. We, we, we oh, that's right. Yeah, we had the whole, yeah. we worked it all out, you guys. We're all the undead. Yep. I don't know what Matt is. Mm, if it has to be undead, a ring wraith. No. Oh, never mind. Yeah, we yeah. walked right into okay. that. Okay, yeah, we did. Never that, mind. Yeah. yeah, we walked right into that one. But the folks we definitely want to talk about, speaking of witches, <laughs> is uh, was it Witch Hunt? Witch Hunt Theater. Witch Hunt Theater. Yes. Um, they have also emailed us. I will respond to them. We will get them on. Super. Um, so they do live immersive theater. They do site-specific live immersive theater. Like, they pick a site. They write the the play to fit the, the location that they're at, um, which is fascinating to me. Uh, they did a very short play for us that we were involved in. Uh, it was called Corpse. Um, <laughs> the play on corporation and the word corpse for dead people. Um, and since it was held in a breakout room at a convention center, it felt very much like it was a conference room meeting. They had a large long table, uh, a slideshow presentation, extra chairs, for depending on how big the audience was. Right. Like they wanted everyone to fill out the table first and then fill out the, the rest of the audience seating. The I think they had what, three empty seats? In the entire in the entire room. Yeah. Yeah, they filled it out for And well. it was seating for fifty? Yeah, easily. So um, the three was, of us naturally went right to the table. Of course. <laughs> they told us to. We had to be involved. We did. I I still love this little bit. Um, all three of us, we're sitting at the table. It says, here are contracts. Please go ahead and write your name and sign your name. No need to read through anything as they're continuing to talk about what's going on. Right. And without saying a word to each other, like we didn't even share a glance. We just went immediately to the contract and none of us used our real name. No, never. <laughs> and I don't then, care if it was theater. You're not tricking me. Right. And then we were required to say our names aloud and introduce ourselves around the table, still used all fake names. Yes. <laughs> we used the fake names that we put on the paper. Uh, Cable, who were you again? Connor Kageyama. I was Frida Kahlo. And I was Peter Hefe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, we saw, oh, immersive theater. Uh, it's like, everyone is going to be involved. If you're coming in, you're going to be involved. It's like, you're going to 
you might regret that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've all done immersive theater. <laughs> we've scared people professionally. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great. It, so tight. Uh, it was only two performers. Their dialogue was in stereo at points, so they were like talking past one another and then it, simultaneously. It just imagine the most cringy oriented corporate orientation you can imagine, and they were mimicking that, mm-hmm. but, but with just like precision synchronized lines. Yeah, but only some of the time, only certain keywords. Yep. There was actually one other cast member. Yes, yes, who was a plant. Who was a plant, yeah. Because the, the whole thing ended with a sacrifice. Um, like, one of the things that we got in our performance folder, it was a performance review of interns, was, how evil have you been? Um, I got a score of 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So I, I was perfectly average. Uh, I had a 7 out of 10. I was a 5.8. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember what you did? Overachiever. Um... I gave no less than... Oh, you gave no less than 12 people nightmares. Yes, night terrors. Yep, night terrors, yeah. Was it 12? I can't. Yeah. I was a high school calculus teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And I had taught 12-year-olds how to roll fat joints. Yep. Which I Uh, think is a noble profession, actually. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So they, they do the red herring of the person who's a zero rating at the table gets taken out of the room. There's a scream. It's like, oh, he's been killed. No, he hasn't been killed. He's just been reprimanded, but he comes back in carrying a tray of drinks for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the real sacrifice is the person at the table who got a 10 out of 10. Because you, you got to make a good offer. Yeah. You got to you sacrifice the fat goat, not the not the frail, dead, That's dying right. one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was... I, I knew we were in for fun when you first walk in. There's clearly a chalice filled with some kind of blood on the floor, mm-hmm. and it's covered in plastic. So my nerve brain went right to Lethal Weapon 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Why is there plastic on the floor? Plastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was great. But when it wrapped up, we uh, we hung out. We hung behind and introduced ourselves, and hopefully we will have them on the show soon. Yeah. Taylor Stark is the creative director. I think that was mm-hmm. their title. Um, I forget the actor's name that was there. This would be another one of those moments where the contract, uh, the, the that, program. Yep, that would have been great if I brought that with me. <laughs> We're um, so good at this, you guys. But yeah, they, the reason that we want to have them on is they talked about um, a performative race that they are having in September. It's the second and third weekends in September. Oh, look at that. I found a program to them. Although I think we just described everything it talked about in that little program. They did. I yeah. did that all from memory. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> My brain still works. Um, anyway, they're doing... You have their... Did you have their website up? Um, they're doing a, a death race in September. It is $100 per team, limited number of teams. Um, The instructions are you put together a team of four to six people, you pay your money, you email them all the information, and then you wait till them send you instructions. Yeah. Uh, They did say that it starts at nine o'clock at night and goes for two hours. 
oh, on their Instagram page. I, think. Um, <laughs> I I desperately want to put the team together for this for Geek in the City. Well, there's three of us right here. There is. Mm-hmm. There's. It's a minimum of four. So we need a total least of six one more dedicated player. This is where I wish Scout Anglin still lived in Oregon because I would have her on this team in a heartbeat. Yeah. She had to move to Texas, where the real horror resides. Yes. How dare you, Scout. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully in a couple weeks we'll be able to have them on, because that'll be super fun mm-hmm. to learn more, and like what inspired them. Yep. Uh, yeah, what makes them want to do it, and what they have plans for the future. Um, it also just made me, I don't know how you two feel, I have a good idea, but it made me really miss scaring people professionally, even if it's just for a couple of weekends. Yes, it's much like performing, which I've talked about recently with Ida. Uh, there are certain parts that I miss, but there are other parts that I super don't miss. Like it, some a lot of those things are very taxing on the body. Yes, uh, and like because of the situation I've been in recently, I'm like, I just can't even picture the idea of doing something physically tasking every night on top of my regular job. But the, but the fun and the like. You know the the togetherness of it, and like the cool, you know, theatrical makeup, and and hearing the terrified screams of grown men. I, sweet, I sweet cries. There is nothing like listening to people scream in abject terror and have it because of something that you did. It's a <sighs> wonderful feeling. And when they run away, <laughs> when they run away sobbing. I, it's and it's much big, like skydiving where it's it's hard to explain to other people unless they've done it. Right. That's like the, you can talk to you can tell people about skydiving all you want, but the only time you're ever going to get someone who goes, "Oh yeah, I know what you mean," is someone who else has gone skydiving. Right. Where are we is there a that? word for that condition cable of uh, wanting to hear people scream about something you did? If there is, is a it's diagnosis, probably, it's probably German. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, I just shout in horror something. It it got to a point where I was going to haunts and follow like I would go to haunts by myself and follow groups of like I I pace myself so I wouldn't be bunched up with people because I just want to see the scare, I want to see the construction, and I would keep getting too close to other groups because they're too scared and they move slowly. And every time they'd scream or jump, I would laugh. I actually got yelled at by a group. It's like, would you stop laughing? It's scarier than anything. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't help it. Sucks for you. Yeah, you do have a naturally maniacal laugh. I do. Yes, you do. It gets worse when I'm in a haunt. <laughs> Imagine kidding. that being stuck in a tiny, dark room with thing, sensory overload, things jumping out at you, and I'm just behind them going... <laughs> I'd be like, do you work here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just loves the screams. Uh, it's real f- fun when I do that and uh, when I've gone to the, the ones in California where I know no one there. The people assume you work there? Yeah. So the first year I went, like, I walked through two different haunts and got a nod from monsters. Well, we like, can tell our own. 
Yeah, they like jumping out at people, and then they see me walk in the room, and they're like, yeah, and then reset, and I'm like, I don't know anyone here. I know no <laughs> one in L.A. What the fuck was that? I was also the only person in the Hawaiian shirt and shorts. Everyone else is wearing horror t-shirts and jeans. Oh, well, it's like you don't show up to the band wearing a band shirt. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> you buy the swag while you're there, but you show up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. That might have been the tell that, like, yeah, he likes haunts, but he doesn't have to wear the horror swag. Before. Like that guy. That that guy's in on it. Yeah. Yeah. I also had a monster flirt with me. It was really weird. <laughs> was it a sexy monster? It was a sexy werewolf Ooh. that jumped out at me, and I'm like, nice. And then they walked back around and sniffed at me and snarled in my ear. I'm like, that's flirting. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you went, nice. Yeah, I'm like, mm, mm, okay, okay, <laughs> moving on. About <laughs> That's how monsters flirt. It's true. They sniff. It's a werewolf. Like that you act. It wasn't a scare thing. It's like you didn't. You don't jump. I bet you I can fuck with you. Oh, oh, you're one of us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, because that's how werewolves do. But yeah, this is this is the emotions that um, witch hunt theater evoked. So I really am looking forward to talking to them more. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me sure. 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 Yeah. I think it's I think it's safe to say that uh the this performance was probably the the standout element of of the convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean a lot of the vendors were great, but it's off they're they're operating on a different level. There were other kind of interactive booths there, and Witch Hunt was by far the one that was yeah, mm-hmm. the most impressive. They had their shit together. Yeah. Oh, and they roamed the con floor in character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making sure that you weren't going to be late to orientation. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think uh, we would be um, foolish not to mention is via a... I don't want to necessarily call them out, um, even though it's not a bad thing what I'm about to say. Uh, because there was a vendor there who we know from other shows, we were able to learn that on the on the back end of the event... Um, things that went really well, like vendors, or at least this vendor had a really, really good experience with the event runners and all of the preparation. And so it's always in my mind anyway, uh, really nice to hear that the process of putting on the show and like being involved in a convention like this is a good experience mm-hmm. yeah. for the individual artists. Yeah. And all of us had to be involved in putting on events one way or another. I actually find that it's very nice to compliment and say, like, this looks like it was put on very well. Like, it's really <laughs> smooth. Um, and that's just something you don't recognize until you start to work on these things. So, yeah, we, we talked logistics with a, a couple of different vendors yeah. that day. They're like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Wait, why are you asking these questions? It's like, we've run conventions. Oh, yeah, yeah. let's talk shop then. Right. Yeah, I even mentioned that to one of the one of the higher up staff members at San Diego a couple weeks ago. Again, it was my first time, so I didn't have a lot to gauge it on. But the fact that they had like two COVID checkpoints, mm-hmm. different batch checks, and all that, I said, "Do you know, for as big as this is, as all the different steps you guys all have to do, this seems to be running very smooth." And they had the look of like, "Oh, thank God, someone's noticing," you know? Oh, baby bird. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be recognized for the work that you do. Oh no, it is. Totally. Well, because people only say stuff when shit goes wrong. Mm-hmm. 
The same thing happens with any kind of like reviews and stuff. That's why I almost hate doing negative reviews because everyone does them because they're easy. Sometimes they're fun, mm. you know, but that's demoralizing when that's all you get is the negative stuff. Yeah. Especially any customer service facing, like it just never fails, you know, so. Well, yeah, that was fun. Should we move on to some other nerd stuff? Yeah, I think we should also say that we, if anyone involved in Ghosts of Halloween is listening. Ghosts of Summer. Ghosts of Summer. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, it's cool. mm -hmm. Okay. Um, we want to talk to you. Yeah. We would like to set up an interview with those folks as well and kind of talk about what the, what they, what was the impetus to putting this together and uh, if they had a good enough experience that they're going to bring it back next year. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and those who important. know this show realize that it's almost the middle of August, which means we're in full horror mode. Like, like <laughs> we're kicking off. Like, that's kind of what, <laughs> oh, yeah. what we do. Yeah, no. And we don't stop until, like, the beginning of January because the second biggest ghost holiday is Christmas. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, this is a good spot to take a quick break and then come back with Nat. We're going to talk about some uh, Rings of Power and the new cider. We'll be right back. Well, our first sponsor is, from where we're recording the all-new Geek in the City Radio, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. As we have said many, many times, Guardian Games is one of the greatest game stores in the city of Portland, if not the country. It is welcoming and inviting and friendly, and it has all the games. Uh, right now, their um, their D&D summer camp is going on, which all I believe all the seats are closed, but... You know, you never know. Things could come up again, or maybe there'll be a holiday camp. But that's just one of the features. They're not just a game store. They don't want you just to show up, spend money, and get out. Their Guardian Games builds a wonderful gaming community that feels part of the nerd community, the uh, the gaming community. It doesn't matter what kind of games you're into, whether it is tabletop RPGs or card games that are deck building or collectible, miniature games, whatever. Solo games. Um, Guardian Games is going to have it. Um, even if you just enjoy, like, painting miniatures. I know people that like to buy miniatures just to build dioramas, and they don't necessarily use them for gaming. It's just painting is a very calming pastime, something we could all need from time to time. And Guardian Games will have your hookup. They'll have everything you need there. If you don't know what kind of game you want to get into, but maybe you've been watching some online streams of maybe, like, Magic Play or you know, anything from Critical Hit or Dimension 20, and you're like, this looks really fun. But I don't know what I like. The folks at Guardian Games will walk you through the process. They'll talk to you about genre, how complicated you want things, the size of your group, all that good stuff. They will make sure that your gaming experience is one of your favorite pastimes. So it all happens at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for being such an amazing sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like our friend Revnat's hard cider uh you know we've got him on the show today but he also has been a huge backer of this show not only providing us with a wonderful social lubricant during the pandemic times but he also hooked us up with equipment so when we were recording separately the show sounded a lot better uh and yes this week's show sounds a little weird it's a new spot we're working out the kinks don't worry it'll it'll get back to sounding amazing hopefully by next week anyway that doesn't matter uh, Revnat, you know, makes the world's most interesting ciders, ciders that no one else will make, and he teams up with local creators. 
<laughs> uh, like Guardian Games, uh, Revnats is a huge supporter of the Portland community and of small businesses and uh, of minority and marginalized groups. So know that when you are take and when you are enjoying a Revnats hard cider, you are doing more than enjoying a fine beverage. You are helping a fine business who helps the city that we all love. And now let's get back to Geek in the City Radio. Hey, we're back. <laughs> the magic of live. It only happens when we do. Ta-da! That joke kills me every, every time. I know. I mean, one day we might actually have a live ad to play, but who knows? That was a really big breath, Matt. You were like... Oh, <sighs> mm. <laughs> <All> unpleasant. <laughs> well, speaking of that, should we... Should we... Try the try the new cider first, and then yeah. Not... Were you able to sneak some uh, new cider into the dungeon in Guardian Games? Uh, we didn't sneak it at all. We didn't sneak it at all, as I am mm. still technically an employee of you, who does at times go to bars to give samples. I am oh, pouring yeah. here as a representative and sharing samples with a potential client. You are on payroll. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Guardian uh, so... Games does everything to comply with uh, OLCC guidelines. Yes. So that would mean six ounce samples mm-hmm. uh, and, and not an ounce more. And I will be measuring these via my handy measuring device in virtual cyberspace here. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll, I'll make mm-hmm. sure of that. Yes. Right <laughs> <laughs> We're going to vamp while uh, he's pouring things. <laughs> Wasn't ready to well, vamp today. Bam, bam, bam. I'll mention. I'll talk about the cider actually briefly. It was a really yes, fun uh, project that Aaron and I did. I guess Jesus. he he did. He and I did the um, 400 rabbits tapache blend uh, last fall. Uh, came out, I think, at the beginning of the year. I can't really remember. Um, and I wanted to do another one because the 400 was so different than anything I I've made and. Um, I think that I sometimes get like, you know, making cider is a bit like cooking for me. You get in a bit of a rut and it's a good rut. You're happy. You know, you've, the food that you make is good and it's tasty and it's, you know where to find it in the grocery store without too much hassle. And, uh, but then there's always like those moments of you eating someone else's food, even if they make the same dish that you make, Mm -hmm. uh, same recipe and everything, it's just going to taste different. So um, I just had a lot of fun making 400 rabbits with Aaron, and I was like, "Hey, let's do another one." And um, we created this really totally, <laughs> yeah, we created this totally wacky um, drink that is unlike anything I would have made by myself. And I think that's really the most fun about it is that it's a whole new thing that really uh, reeks of Aaron Duran. Boy, doesn't it? That's what I hear before I say something. Yeah. I didn't hear anything you said, so I have no idea what we were talking about, other than I gave the. Yeah, I launched. I gave that punchline there at the end just for you. So. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So Lokita Fresca. It's available now for uh, home deliveries in Portland, and I will get it on my shop site. Um, so that uh, folks in other states can buy it and have it have it mailed to them. Oh, cool! Um, 
But tell us about why we called it Lokita Fresca, Aaron. So it is called Lokita Fresca because first off, it's inspired by like the Mexican fruit cups you can buy where they put in different different fruits and cucumbers and then they'll squeeze like sometimes some lime or the tagine sauce all over it. And it's just this great refreshing mix of like very sweet, cool fruits with a little bit of spice, a little bit of heat, that nice citrus on there. Mm-hmm. It is called Loquita Fresca because Loquita is the name of Atelia's Alhambra in Season of the Bruja. Um, so yeah, it's named after her. Uh, so we actually owe a lot of this to uh, Sarah, the artist on Season of the Bruja, because in the original script, Athelia just had a cat that was just literally in the background. And those who are reading the book know that Loquita has a much, much bigger role than just a cat would in a story. So really all, a lot of this we have, we owe it to Sarah for, uh, for having this drink. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the inspiration behind this one. Yeah, so the ingredients, it starts with the pache, and um, then we added two different kinds of lime. We used this dehydrated lime, this crystallized lime powder, which was crazy. First time ever using that ingredient. It produces a really unique lime flavor that we thought kind of checked the box of that fresca-type flavor. Um, And then we used sucanat. It's quite sweet, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Sucanet is this really uh, raw, unrefined sugar. Um, and then some orange, watermelon, and another kind of lime uh, essence, like extracts of those um, fruits. So, And then extra pineapple juice. And then yeah, more pineapple juice. juice. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't run yeah. out of pineapple. And then heat, of course, chili. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah, some, yeah. It's pretty red, yeah. It's really good. Uh, I mean, I've Obviously, like I'm super biased, but you should have seen when Nat and I were designing the flavors. There was a lot of just going back and forth and adding different fruits and stuff. It took a we long got, time. I felt like this one we dialed in pretty quickly compared to yeah. There's there is a a rule I think in in blending where um, I call it the Andrew Tice rule, um, where Andrew is a um, the head distiller at house spirits here in Portland. And he has this rule that if you're ever taking, um, you know, a few components, A, B, C, D or whatever, and you're trying to determine the ratios between them, always, um, it always works out to have human understandable, human readable ratios. So like one part, one part, one part, one part, or one part, one part, two parts, two parts. You don't want to have something like seven parts, 13 parts, 4.3 parts, eight parts. Like it's never going to taste better if you get really complicated with the blending. So this cider in a lot of ways is like, I think the numbers were like, we had one part, then we had a 10th part, and mm-hmm. then we had a quarter, quarter, quarter. So it was really simple math to, to scale up. And we, yeah, I think Aaron, we got down this path of, these ratios and then all we ended up doing is just turning up the flavor again and ratcheting it up higher and higher every time but keeping the ratios about the same yeah i think we kept doing that by upping the lime the lime was always the thing that boosted the flavor yeah so and then i think it it was that like yeah it was at like seven parts lime it was like eight parts lime then i was like fuck it we're going to ten parts lime because that's (laughs) and it was totally there yeah 
And it's also, I would say, it's probably your sweetest cider you've ever made. I think so. I think but so. But it doesn't, yeah. it's, it's still not as sweet as like some like angry orchard shit. Yeah, it's just got a ton of real fruit in there. So, uh, and that, that, that raw unrefined sucanat sugar is a really fun sugar to drink, basically. Um, <laughs> you could have put more yeah. on it. I mean, yeah. But we're not we're not normal people, B. <laughs> it is rare to find any brown person that think like this is enough lime. I've never felt that this is enough yeah. lime. Yeah. What do you think about the chili? That was another question of we can always add more, but you know. I personally would want it to be more. Also, that's yeah. That's the conversation actually Matt and I had. He's like, "What do yeah. you think?" And I said, "Personally, I would like more heat, but also." The fruit does are not, those cups are never super spicy. It's more of that smoky and a little bit of heat. Right. Yeah. It, the, that chili powder that you put on there is not really hot. It's more of yeah, a. Yeah, it's a flavor. It's yeah. more of a savory flavor to offset yeah. or like yeah. play against the sweet. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it is not tagine as we are not legally allowed to use that word. Oh. It does say tagine on the side. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I welcome I welcome a cease and desist from uh, the Tajin lawyers. They know how to find me, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you can be like could, next level, you can be like next level beer. The moment like Nintendo finds out that beer is already sold out anyway, and they won't make it again. Exactly, it's going to be sold out by the time I get that letter in the mail. So <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, we only made uh, well, I say only. I think we made like 180 cases or something like that, which is really small for us. Um, and there you go. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty. Got to, got to, got to get it while getting's good. Yeah. So it's available now on your site, right? Yes. But next week, can we talk about that now, or do you want to wait? Yeah, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right, so for folks who have somewhere been living under a rock, I have a comic called Season of the Bruja. Uh, and tomorrow, or today, if you're listening to this on the podcast, on Wednesday, August 10th, is the fifth and final issue of Volume 1 of Season of the Bruja. And it has been Yay! one hell of a journey, thank you, to get here. Um, dorm. <clears throat> So when issue one first came out, I had teamed up with Nat and we did the 400 rabbits. And there was the package and he got a signed copy of Season of Bruja issue one and a four pack of 400 rabbits. And everyone loved it, but we wanted to do something. Well, Nat was like, let's do something else again together, man. Cause it's actually a lot of fun collaborating with Nat, having a good time. Um, so we were talking about doing this next collaboration and to put together a special package. So next week, only on Nats on the shop.revnat.com when it gets up and running, and he'll put out the email or whatever. He will have all five issues of Season of the Bruja, issues one through five. In fact, I think his issue one is going to be the variant cover that I will be hooking him up with. So even people who yeah. bought this the first time, you didn't get the variant cover. Aha! So yeah, issues one through five of Season of Bruja with issue one variant cover, along with a four pack of Tapache. Yes. Four pack of 400 rabbits. And I and only four... have, I have very few 400 rabbits left. I saved them just for this setup. Yeah. And then a four pack of Lokita Fresca, 
will all yeah. be part of. I believe what you're calling the ultimate Aaron Duran package, which is it's weird. called the ultimate Aaron Duran collaboration pack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I am super excited with that. And are we still doing the charity thing? I kind of remember. Yeah, and we're given twenty yeah. bucks out of every pack that we sell. Um, tw- sorry, twenty percent. I'm sorry of every pack that we sell to uh, Portland's Latino Network, which is a local group, and they do a lot of uh, resource connection for what's happening in the community to um, Latinos who are looking for whatever they're looking for, whether it's domestic support or business support or whatever. It's, yeah. a, it's a great, great network. Yeah, so I'm really excited that we get to do part of that with it also. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's uh, that'll be next Wednesday, right? Well, yeah, um, we ordered our comics, and our comics will be show up when they show up and uh, there are very very few of the ultimate collaboration packs available uh i wouldn't be ultimate if there was an endless supply so um that's right we don't want to pull like the the superman bullshit here it is limited yeah (laughs) no it is limited Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. then that means that probably your best chance for getting one of these is to be signed up for the reverend nat's newsletter Yes, or to know someone like you do, Bean. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, if you've ever bought anything from us in the past, you're in the newsletter. Uh, we also post post our social media, and social media does not include Facebook because fuck Facebook. Um, so, Especially right now. Medias or, yeah, uh, I just don't have anything to do with them. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah, because it's not, there aren't many of them, right? Of the, the collaboration oh, packs. There are barely double digits. Yeah. So that's how quickly you're going to want to jump on that one. Yep. yep. And it's always a good idea. I get the newsletter and I, I read mine this morning or early this afternoon, whenever it was. And that is how I already have my order in for two cases or two packs of Loki to Fresca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Somebody did actually order two cases when that, that newsletter went out as well. I was like, oh, shit, shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, uh, in the comments, it said, 400 rabbits was the best setter you've ever made. I hope this one. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's <laughs> You know. They are different. They are different. I But I would say that they would complement each other well. Yes. I agree. Yeah, 400 they, is, they I are think, different. It's, it's less rich. It's, it's, the, the magic of 400 is that it's super low alcohol, 2.9 or something. And yeah. it's got a massive amount of flavor, um, but this one is like uh, Lokita is is, I think, sweeter, more full mouthfeel, much richer. Um, kind of feels like you're chewing on something at times, uh, but also like, low ABV. I think it says three point something. Three point nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love these low alk things. Um, I would say I love them in the summertime, but I love them all the time anyway. So. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about a hundred rabbits is how many different meals it complements yeah it mm. aren't just it goes great with tacos of course it goes great with tacos yes it yeah. also goes great with teriyaki chicken it goes oh yeah great with curry like it's everything it goes so i know this 400 rabbits goes great with anything that is kind of an earthy so like mm. a, a, like a good curry or a barbecue or like a yeah any kind of dark meat taco 400 mm. rabbits goes well Lupita yeah. Fresca goes really well when it's goddamn 95 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it pairs well those. with ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, it just feels like the summer drink. And even though we're kind of on the tail end of summer, it's still great. Um, that's the hottest part. That's the hottest part. Um, one thing yeah. Nat and I did realize, which is not, which goes against almost everything you drink. Lokita Fresca's flavor is better when it's cold than when it starts to warm up. Yeah. Because most flavors come out when they warm up a little bit. This one doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. So keep it cold. It, it gets a little sort of muddy tasting when it, when it warms up a little bit. So. Because it probably uh, feels more syrupy. Yeah, way. yeah. It might just hit your tongue more and like just stick there. It's it's pretty amazing. Pretty weird the way that way that it worked. I was drinking some off the line as it was as we were as it was hanging out, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm kind of disappointed in this. And then I drank the same one after it had been in the refrigerator, and it was right back to its delicious state. So, Phew. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and you can you know. You can have more than one or two because again, it's only three point nine, so it's less than a Rainier. That's how I gauge all alcoholic contents. It is anything that's less than equal to or less than a Rainier is barely alcohol, and then above that, you have to start being careful. Yeah, Aaron, what do you think about some um, blending with this one, like um, some rum, maybe? I mean, it's got pineapple, so it's going to be good with rum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like always. Um. Or, you know, or a, like a, I think like a smoky tequila, it would be really well. It would do really well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would just, I try to make a traditional margarita out of it. Or just a tequila, like, just or your basic tequila sunrise, but use this instead of, what is it, orange juice? Mm. Something like that. Um, orange juice, grenadine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Although, also, I would start to get weird, and I would do weird stuff with it, like, like how it tastes if you were to make like it. Yeah, make almost like a, you know, tequila sunrise with it, but then float, oh, yeah. then float like a melon liqueur on top. And for that matter, uh, mixing it with beer would be really good with the yeah. aforementioned Rainier. Like or, yeah, really or good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I um. I want to put more heat on this. Do it. Yeah. I'm like, I, I think a lot of that vodkas, Do you think they have like a like a jalapeno vodka? That yeah, a uh, New Deal. I'm pretty sure does. Uh, mm. They call it the monkey something. Hot uh, monkey. Hot monkey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if you wanted to keep it uh, low ABV, maybe just give it a, a an infusion with some peppers in the fridge overnight. That could yeah. be good. Mm -hmm. And then strain it off. Or at Matt said, just go the Michelada route. Have it with with some beer, and then just hit it with some top and tie, top of Yeah. Or <laughs> get that get that hob sauce that you got, and uh, oh that. shit, no, they're habanero pineapple. <laughs> right there. Oh, I know what I'm gonna do that tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tag everybody. Yeah. By the way, they have one of the coolest logos too. Yeah, Ooh. That's yeah, right. dangerous. Well, let's wrap this. Another cool thing about them, really quick, is they only hire local artists for all of their uh, oh, model makeup. Yep. So mm. they're gorgeous. Oh man, yeah, I need to reach out to them. Oh, Norm is asking in the chat: Would this cider be good for doing a, a glaze on some barbecue, or maybe some shade? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you all know, it sugar. is very sweet. So you know, if you're obviously sugars burn on barbecues. But yeah, if after at, towards the end of the cooking, if you cook this stuff down a little bit, 
Um, I do that with tapache regularly. I will cook down. I have access to a lot of tapache, so I can cook down tapache to make it a little <laughs> bit more thick. Um, and this would be fantastic that way. That does sound good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I want to go home. I would go more chicken than pork on this one, though. Really? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. I we'll could, have to compare I, notes. Oh, what a shame. I guess we got to do a pulled pork, uh, yep. a brisket, and some and some chicken thighs. I mean, I guess. A Hawaiian plate. Mm -hmm. That's right. Let's do a, do a Mexican Hawaiian plate. Yeah, meat and three, but three meats and, and three others. Yeah. The things we do for science. The things we do for norm. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think I've actually said this to Nat, so I'm going to say it here. So a few years ago, I'm going to do more sampling here really quick uh, to make sure that it's right. Um, so a few years ago, I had actually toyed with the idea of doing, like getting a little bit into like actual like brewing, brewing, not just beyond the home brewing itself. Sure. And Nat tried my stuff and said, Aaron, you're really good. Don't get into brewing. Yeah, I keep telling it. you that. Yeah. And I am. I'm keeping it to the home brewing. But one of the things I always wanted to do was like, well, you know what? Maybe I would just be happy if I would just get to do collaborations with friends and brewers whose product I really respect and like and all that stuff. So Nat, whether you knew it or not, you actually helped fulfill like one of my life goals was to do you know, collaboration brewing with awesome people. So thank you for that. Good. Well, I hope this is just the beginning and you have you have many more collaborations in you with me and other folks. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be good. And it scratches that itch, um, but let somebody else put the bill. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is that all I am to you? <laughs> no, you're also the cool Lord of the Rings guy. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. That's a good segue. That's an excellent mm -hmm. segue. So there's this thing from this little sh this little book company you might have heard of called Amazon. They sell books. Yeah, they oh, sell yeah, books. Yeah, the bookstore. The book people. Yeah. Um, and they're doing something with this quirky little fantasy you may have heard of, written by this Englishman about a hundred years ago, about little short people and volcanoes. Yeah, and tall people and Is it about dragons. throwing them into volcanoes? That's right. Yes, that's the it's a it's a dwarf throwing contest. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's already frowned upon. Oh my god, you're gonna get us canceled. Um But no, so Rings of Power comes out a couple in Yes, couple weeks, September second. Like you don't know the date when Rings of Power is coming out. We have a, a calendar over there that's uh tear off date my my kid made it tear off <laughs> really? is your kid really into talking yeah. also yeah uh we read i uh we watched lord i have an 18 they're 18 year old 18 they are 18 years old right now and at three and a half we watched um uh peter jackson lord of the rings and i remember very clearly bless their little heart they were like those are just the whole time. Those are just people in costumes, or the Urukai and the orcs and stuff. Those are just people in costumes, right? They just have masks on, right? And I'm like, yes, yes, it's, they're just people. In and uh, we watch it. We watch the whole series at least once a year. And I've read the whole books, to, the whole series to them probably five times. And 
Um, I got a really nice copy. They turned 18. Didn't get them a car. I got them a really nice copy of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're big nerds. Yeah. Very precious. Yeah, so Rings of Power um, is... Uh, so if you're familiar with I, most people, everybody, I think probably these days, is, anybody listening to this show is familiar with uh, Peter Jackson, um, Lord of the Rings. Um, that is set in, in what is known as the Third Age. And the the War of the Ring, of which the Lord of the Rings sort of documents, um, is the most thoroughly documented part in the Tolkien legendarium. So Tolkien wrote, um, he wrote basically the history of Middle-earth over the course of thousands of years, five thousand, oh, there's, there are eight, there are times that are written about that don't really have a good time scale. So it's quite difficult to figure out what the total length of time the whole thing is written about. And then as he was writing, he basically selected five or so major stories to go into more detail um, during the, you know, the, the history of Middle Earth and the War of the Ring, uh, of which, you know, Bilbo and Frodo and Sam and Gandalf and stuff, um, is the one that he spent the most time on and developed into a full book. And if the guy had lived to be 500 years old, we probably <laughs> would have um, Lord of the Rings style books of a number of other stories. Um, and after he died, his son Christopher has put together um, kind of nerd versions. You got to be a really nerd to really to read some of the some of the new stories that have come out, such as the Children of Hurin and the Fall of Gondolin and Baron and Luthien. Um, all fantastic stories, but they weren't really fully developed, and there's not a great narrative structure in in those books. Uh, it's more a collection of notes in. Yeah, say they're more like extended notes than they are actual. Story. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so all, all all that content is basically I'm I'm glossing here is basically summarized in a book called The Silmarillion. And the Silmarillion is the history of Middle Earth, and it doesn't touch on uh, the War of the Ring because the Lord of the Rings book is good for that. Um, but there are these uh, four essentially ages of the world. First age is not really. It's hard to make a movie and hard to tell stories about it because it's just like angelic beings singing. That's kind of what the first age. There's other things that are happening too. But the second age is where it gets sort of more, um, more. You can put your hands on. There's like named characters in a lot of ways. First age has a lot of named characters too. Don't get me wrong. But the second age is where we start to see glimpses of the third age. Would make sense. So all the casual listeners are very familiar with the events of the third age, the War of the Ring. And the second age is where characters like like Sauron start to show up and mm-hmm. where the rings show up and the one ring shows up in the second age. So in a lot of ways, what Amazon is producing is a prelude to uh, the more familiar Lord of the Rings, War of the Rings. So um, it has some it? tie-in. There will be Elrond. You, you may remember Elrond. Um, he, he appears in the Amazon show amongst mm-hmm. others. As well, yeah. So does uh, Galadriel. It looks like Galadriel actually has Galadriel. a much bigger role. Well, uh, yes, um, Galadriel has a massive role in the actual source material. She is uh, the most power, the oldest and the most powerful uh, elf in Middle Earth in the Third Age. Um, she was present at many of the most important events that happened in the First and Second Age. Uh, her grandfather father i'm pretty sure 
um, was one of the first elves, one of the three first elves to get scratched out of the ground. The elves like came out of the ground or some crazy shit. Um, and so like her grandfather, maybe her great grandfather was like one of the first elves, like first three elves. So she's like super powerful, super knowledgeable, et cetera, et cetera. So I think she's finally getting her due. So you're right, Aaron. She has a bigger role than she did in the Peter Jackson um, series. But I think it's a very appropriate um, role that um, that she's playing uh, in this series. I mean, which is good. I mean, I'm kind of... That's always been kind of one of the critiques, especially of the Lord of the Rings books, or the movies, oh, yeah. is that women don't have a whole lot to do. Yeah, books, uh, too. Yeah, no, Tolkien yeah, was yeah. very famous to have... He's famously had a few really badass female characters. Um, he didn't really have a female character unless they were super badass, um, and that that itself is is a form of certainly a form of misogyny. So um, it's cool that the current creators of the Amazon series looked at that and said, "Oh yeah, we just we have to we can simultaneously be faithful to the books and to Tolkien's vision and also elevate uh, non dudes." Um, into, Which is good. Into the yeah. screen. Yeah. Especially yeah. And um, I think, you know, on, on that topic, there's a lot of non-white people in uh, the Amazon series, which, of course, is has the dark corners of the Internet freaking out. But mm-hmm. if you really read um, the, the books with any kind of a critical eye, Tolkien describes very famous characters like Samwise Gamgee as having a brown hand, and Aragorn has brown skin. It is not, um, in, if, if, if anything, Peter Jackson whiteified some of um, Tolkien's works. Um, there's definitely, there's a, there's a brown elf in, um, in Amazon, uh, the Amazon series. And, you know, people are upset about that. that there's, there's no reason why. The elves, that, the, the elves that stayed behind in Middle-earth and never went to Valinor um, had thousands of years of living in what Tolkien basically described as North Africa. So um, there's no reason why we couldn't have um, non-pasty white um, elves in the um, in that in that world. He also describes um, dark dwarves, petty dwarves as well. So there's a very famous um, one of the famous actors in, in the new Amazon series is a black woman, and she's doing a fantastic job as a dwarf. Um, Black dwarf, you know, just a dwarf, but she's just she just sure. happens to have non-white skin, so it's pretty cool. You think it's just everyone just assumed white because you know it was Tolkien, and he was he's very English and very pasty, and then every time it ever got adapted or there was art, people just defaulted to whiteness, and therefore that yeah, and the perceived norm. Yeah, and those creators were themselves whites; so they just reflected it on themselves. The only thing that's it's there are certain elven characters who he describes as very white. Gladriel has long blonde hair, long golden hair, and um, the Rohirrim, the the uh, Riders of Rohan, are very clearly described as like basically just ripoffs of Norsemen, um, mm-hmm. you know, Scandinavians. So you know, we're going to go ahead and call those folks, you know, canonically white. But um, there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of um, you know different different uh, skin tones for sure, which I'm I'm really excited about. Cool. So, like, you gave us some questions, which is pretty cool, because people, like, hit you up and stuff when you were going to be on here. Yeah. Um, so, this seems kind of like a dumb question almost, but, like, is Sauron going to be, like, the ongoing big baddie of the Second Age? Or is it essentially, is he, like, the power that's, 
I mean, he's kind of pulling like a Darth Sidious in the second age, right? You know, a whole yeah, night. it's right. Yes. I mean, isn't that what he's doing? Yeah, he's yeah. There's, there's. It's he, not like he's, he's like, ah, I'm the Dark Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, he he goes back and forth, and he, in his, um, you know, Sauron is called Sauron the Deceiver, and one of his main uh, routes to power is through deceit, and one of one of the, one of his main things is is he uh, clothes himself in a different body, uh, the body of a of a dude named Anatar, and Anatar is like the the you know the 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 good Sauron, but he's still purely evil on the inside. Uh, the first age, the ending of the first age, is when Sauron's boss is um, chained up beyond the universe, basically, like in black hole land or something. Uh, Melkor, Morgoth, he's got two different names. Tolkien loves throwing lots of names onto the same <laughs> character. Um, yeah, so Sauron, uh, the beginning of the Second Age, Sauron has is kind of like hiding. All of uh, Morgoth's baddies, including the Balrogs, are like hiding because their, their boss just got his ass kicked. Um, right. And then Sauron like kind of like makes a little foray. He's like, hey, I'm bad, and I'm going to take over this, this area of Middle-earth. And the 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 men of Westerness, the Numenorians, of which uh, Aragorn is a descendant of a descendant, um, they uh, they basically beat up Sauron and grab him and take him prisoner back to their island fortress of Numenor, and they put him on his knees and say, "You bad boy," and um, he comes up <laughs> and he says, "Okay, I promise I won't be bad anymore." But he's Sauron the Deceiver, so he basically just um, becomes a sort of spy or traitor inside the the royal house of uh, the Numenorians and um, he gets people to think that he's like really a nice guy and he gives them all these gifts. Uh, and but they still know that his name is Sauron the Deceiver? No, they, they, they call him, well, yeah, some of them do, but he goes by Anatar at that point. But they also yeah. think that he has repented. Um, yeah. And, just... and he, yeah. So we're going to see Sauron. We're going to see Sauron. His name is the Deceiver! Sorry, we're laughing. Yeah, his name is... We're laughing because it reminds us of one of the greatest lines in the fantastic film Bumblebee, when John Cena's character is yelling at the army for trusting the group called the Decepticons. He's like, is anyone, uh, anyone not, called they're called the Decepticons. They call themselves Decepticons. It's yeah. in their name. <laughs> Which, by the way, everyone exactly. should watch Bumblebee. It's still, it's E.T., it's e. but with a Transforming robot. Right, so I think this is like you think of the Transformers franchise. Bumblebee stands uh, alone as a fantastic movie. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yes. So I think that that's what's going to make. I mean, we all we all watched the Titanic movie, right? We knew the thing freaking crashes, right? And what? we all we all know I, that you know Sauron is freaking Sauron. You know, yes. Darth Vader is like, okay, yeah, a little Anakin Skywalker. It makes it even worse, right? So uh, I think there's there's they have declared that the Amazon series is going to be five seasons. Um, and then it's going to end, and the uh, I think there's eight episodes in the first season, and I don't know how long they're going to drag out the second age. So are we going to get to the point where Sauron has crafted the One Ring? I darn hope so, um, and revealed himself as truly Sauron, the most wicked and evil. Um, I think so, um, but we've got some more seasons to get there. In the beginning, he's just going to be like. Like we're gonna see it. Viewers are gonna be like, that guy's up to no good. Um, yeah. but Don't trust him. For sure. Yeah. His name is Sauron the Deceiver. It's <laughs> good. I'm holding that one. So, is the beginning of the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies 
that big battle, that big battle. Is that officially the end of the second age or is that, are we already in the third age by that fight? That's right. That's the, that's the end of the second age, uh, the, the last alliance of elves and men when Isildur cuts off the their ring off of uh, Sauron's finger and takes it for himself. Isildur is a man of Numenor whose father um, is going... We, we actually do see Isildur and his father um, in Elendil in uh, the Amazon show. So we're mm-hmm. already going to be getting some of these characters that were hinted at in, in the prologue or in, in um, uh, the Third Age. Uh, elves live forever. We all know that. Um, you probably remember like Aragorn. There was this one moment when, in the movies when Aragorn had like a little chit chat with um, Eowyn and, he, and she goes, and you can't be 80. Her and, fat soup. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, her disgusting soup. Yeah, so she, uh, so he, yeah, he actually is an old kind. It wasn't in the theatrical. That's right. Um, right. And a- Aragorn has the, the blood of Numenor, which is a uh, long life, not immortal, but like, you know, 150 to 300 years is fairly common for the, the, the humans in the uh, Amazon series. So we're going to be able to see some of these characters in the Amazon thing, like drag out potentially for more than one season. Um, I hope everybody gets kind of killed off because there's a lot of characters and they all basically die because Middle-earth is just one great tragedy after another. Um, even in the end, when the ring was thrown into the pit, it's still kind of a tragedy. Um, yeah. Are there... Are we going to see dragons? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, the dragons are... They work for Morgoth. Um, um, and when he got his butt kicked um, at the end of the first stage... Uh, the dragons kind of went off and hid a bit. Um, Sauron, they end up working, they do end up working for Sauron in some ways. Sauron has a variety of baddies um, that he all kind of just peeled off of um, Morgoth's team when uh, Morgoth got his butt kicked. I think what we're, we, I, I don't see why we won't see dragons, but I know that we're going to see Balrogs. There was a reveal at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. At the trailer, um, it ends, sh- yeah. Yeah, showing a, a, a Balrog. Um, there are multiple Balrogs. The Balrog that smited Gandalf in the uh, Mines of Moria is one of many. Um, that one has got a name. The rest of them don't have names. Um, so we might see that particular Balrog. We might see different Balrogs for sure. Okay. I did notice, like, I guess that's specifically how the Balrog is described, is described in the book because it looks like it's taken right from the Peter Jackson. Yeah. You know, I... I was, I've been a huge Tolkien fan before Peter Jackson came out, and I'm a huge Peter Jackson movies fan. Um, I expect that I'll be a very, very big uh, Amazon fan. I have always felt that um, the 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 reason, and there are big differences between the Jackson movies. We're leaving the Hobbit series out of this conversation completely. Smart. In case, good. In case yeah. that was inferred, yes, but we're going to be explicit about you it. You know, out there, there is a good three and a half hour cut of all three Hobbits. Yeah. Movies. I watch it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Is they it? Oh, so you watch that cut? Yeah, they made a pretty good movie out of three terrible movies. So congratulations, <laughs> to the editor. Yeah. Um, but I think that what I liked most about the the Jackson is well, like about Tolkien even is that I always felt like Tolkien is simply describing what actually happened in this world, and he's using his um, little devices. Oftentimes, he pretends like he's writing from the perspective of a Hobbit or from somebody else. Um, he uses his own little devices to kind of imagine himself writing, documenting a story uh, of a history that happened. 
And I think Peter Jackson, I think, um, I feel like he did the same thing. He's simply telling, he's retelling a story of something that actually happened. Like, you know, if the four of us want to tell the story about the last time I was in the show, we're all going to have different perspectives on it. And some of us are going to be closer to the truth, and some of us are going to be further away from the truth. But all of ours, all, but together, there's going to be one, you know, one cohesive story. Right. And so I think that's what I'm looking forward to the Amazon folks doing is they're going to be telling another version of these stories that Tolkien um, has previously told. Uh, I'm okay if they change things because that's the nature of storytelling is right. when things change. As long as the story itself is good and the, the, the morals and the arcs are all still the same, I, I'm pretty excited about that, that aspect of it. Yeah, it reminds me of... Um... Someone once asked Douglas Adams, like, this is right when they were starting to film uh, the U.S. theatrical version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And they asked him, like, how do you feel about certain things being changed? And he had a lot of input in that script. And his attitude is, like, there's never been the same version of this. He's like, the radio drama is different from the oh, novel. Yeah. It's different than the beat. And he was involved in all of them. He's, and it's not like the studios made changes. Like, he was actively involved in almost every version of Hitchhiker. And it's never, it's never the same story. I mean, the yeah. core's there, but it goes off on different tangents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's really fascinating about the, the, the second age is that there isn't... The, the, the material that Amazon licensed from the Tolkien estate is, um, for most reports, it's exclusively um, some, two appendixes from the Lord of the Rings. So uh, it's like 40 pages or something that they're going to make five seasons of TV out of. So yeah. it's it's really um, I think there's a lot of opportunities when you I actually was reading it just I, I read it a lot, but I was reading it last night as well. And there are some sections um, that are like, you know, eight or so sentences that you realize, oh, that's an entire season by itself where it's like they're they're laying out a couple of he, he is laying out a talking lay out a couple of dramatic points. And then he's like on to the next because he was always thinking to himself. I'm going to come back one day and write the actual story of Second Age. So it's just a lot of notes. So a lot of if you if you start reading anything other than Lord of the Rings, you'll discover there are just constant iterations and versions that he wrote over over his whole life. I mean, he died with a pen in his hand practically. Then his son um, lived to be a very old age, died just a handful of years ago, and his life his son's life work was um, making sense of his father's writings and trying to find the best thread to uh, tell these stories um, from his father's words. Right. Yeah, I can see. I mean, I remember reading, if you find the script to uh, Fellowship of the Ring, um, pretty much that entire scene from when they run from the Balrog to the fall of Gandalf, yeah. there's a line in there just that says, the Fellowship crosses the Bridge of Cossatoon. Yeah. Like, that yeah. entire sequence is one line in the script right and that <laughs> and that scene of him on the bridge is one of the best scenes in all of movie history so it's <laughs> yeah. like aren't we glad that peter jackson like ex extrapolated a huge amount of screen time essentially from such yeah. a small bit of information and i think that's that's why we a lot of people just respect the the peter jackson and his team um right. their work because they did a really good job and i don't you know the proof's gonna be in the pudding when we watch season one episode one um, if this is going to be um, a, a similar caliber of um, 
of essentially filmmaking, you know? Right. And we must also never forget that without Fran Walsh, the Lord of the Rings movies would not be that good. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely a team. Yeah, the, the Jackson team is, is a team yeah. for sure. Fran, yeah, Fran Walsh uh, curtails the worst of her husband's filmmaking acts. Yeah. I love Peter Jackson, yeah. but he's got, yeah, she's the one that is like, what if we did this? Let's work on that. Yeah. And so the there's also why um, the Nazgul sound the way they do. Yeah. God, that's, that's Fran, a terrible sound. Fran yeah. Walsh was able to do this scream yeah. that no one else could do. Yeah, yeah. He, was like, he was like, Fran, do the scream. That's a horrible Peter yeah. Jackson voice. But yeah, she did this scream. That's the basis for the Nazgul shriek. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're using, they're filming in New Zealand. They started filming before the pandemic, and then they locked down in New Zealand and kept filming. Um, they're using uh, Weta Workshop, the same um, practical and 3D special effects that... Um, the Jackson team used um, some of the main art directors um, that were involved in the Jackson series are um, employed by the Amazon crew. So we expect the look and feel to be very much out of, um, you know, the, 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 the Jackson, the Jackson team did a really good job. I think bringing what pretty much everybody had in mind um, when they were reading the books into um, into the screen, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Amazon do a very similar job with it. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely jazzed to see it because I mean, any fun fantasy, I'm going to be down for and stuff. So, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I thought I heard something weird there for a minute. Ah, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I'm pumped. So that's September, right? First week of September, I think. Yep. Friday. Friday. Now, is that going to be Thursday at eleven fifty nine p.m. or yes, yes, yes? Uh, I'm, no longer, I'm no longer doing that. I did that with a couple episodes of Strange New Worlds, and I was like, I don't remember any of it. I just got to watch it again the next day. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. I'm jazz. Thanks for popping on the show too. Yep. Yep, I'm really excited, and I'd love to, uh, you know, invite me back at any time. We'll talk about the, talk about the show, and you know, hope everybody watches it. Hope everybody has a great opinion, and we can all talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure there will be plenty of level-headed opinions on the internet when it comes out, and no oh, hot takes yeah. whatsoever. Yes, there will be no yeah. controversy at all. Yeah. Well, I'm here <laughs> for the show. <laughs> Well, yeah, cool, man. Thanks for popping in. I think I think that's good for this week, right? That feels like a show to me. Yeah, for our inaugural debut at the Guardian Games Studios, which is pretty cool to say. We'll keep working out the wrinkles in this. We didn't do the uh, coming to you live. Oh, well, let's do it next time <laughs> when we have more things figured out, which I completely put on myself. Um Sorry, that was me. Oh my god, you're the worst. Next week, we will come to you live! <laughs> uh, well, with that... Oh, well, actually... You should talk about who our guest is. Yeah, oh my god, we have to have it a little bit tight. No offense, Matt. Not that you're not an amazing guest. Uh, next week, we're going to have... Assuming he has recovered from COVID, he just posted his positive. Oh. He dodged it until Gen Con. Uh, mm. But I do believe we're going to have on Mr. B. Dave Walters. Uh, who is a television writer, but he is probably most known for being an amazing storyteller and dungeon master. He does stuff with Wizards of the Coast. 
I do believe for many years he ran LA by Night, the ongoing Vampire the Masquerade streams, uh, streaming game. Uh, all around, very cool guy, really great dungeon master, really good player. Uh, I discovered him through my obsession with the Black Dice Society, because it's the Ravenloft, uh, official Ravenloft <laughs> stream of Wizards of the Coast, so of course I got onto that one. Um, so yeah, I'm super pumped to have B. Dave on. If you're curious about him, some of the quickest ways to learn about some of the stuff he does is just go to the Wizards of the Coast page and watch some of their um, Legends of the Multiverse, which is their Spelljammer series. He's both a DM and a player on that. Mm. And it's, it's some of the shorter ones. Some of the stuff he does is like critical critical hit. Like it's hours and hours and hours. Sure. Uh, Legends of the Multiverse is a little bit smaller, like one hour increments. So it's a bit easier to jump in on that one. Um, yeah, he plays a Yankee pirate captain in that when he's not the DM. All right. Which is pretty cool. Uh, it also has a mind flare. The antagonist is a mind flare gunslinger who is 100% based on Cat Bane. On who? Cat Bane. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Outfit, everything. Yeah. So we're going to have him on next week. Hopefully he will be recovered enough from COVID to join us. I will, I will double check in a couple of days. But yeah. That'll be next week. Dope. Nice. Well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bane Rita. And I am Cable Hashitame. And we will talk to everybody next week, live from the Guardian Game Studios. Woo! All right. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.